and please stand for the reading of God's word. This morning from Proverbs 3, verse 3, 5, and 6. Let your love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. This has been the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's good to be here. I love when people are happy because they got gifts and got a bunch of cheese and stuff over Christmas. Cheese, man, I've been eating so much cheese. I've always, uh, it's been said of me that I've been full of cheese. So, um, did we start the recording? Okay, good. Thanks for doing that. Man, it's nice to have people, competent people that are uh, surrounding us and servants. Um, thankful for each and every one of you. So, uh, again, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I mean, Eric, there you go. And happy almost New Year. We're in that in-between time between Christmas and, and New Year. And I really enjoy this in-between time. I don't know about you. Um, some people may dread it. I love it. I love the food. I've mentioned it. Cheese. There's cheese and sweets everywhere. Um, just little smokies, that kind of stuff. There's a slower pace of life, at least in my family, that happens between Christmas and New Year. I love wearing new socks. And underwear, which I seem to accrue only at this time of year, <laughs> every year. Um, and I love the idea of New Year's resolutions. Um, I love the idea of New Year's resolution. I don't think I've ever actually kept a New Year's resolution as long as I've intended to keep it. Uh, but the idea of a resolution is, is what I enjoy and like the anticipation of actually getting to start it. And so I have a very simple proposal for us today. Um, and I think it's, it's one that we should all set our hearts and minds on. And I want to set a resolution before you for the coming year this morning. I don't care if you're the type of person who's already given up on your New Year's resolution. Um, hasn't even started, but you've given up on, this is for you. doesn't matter if you're three years old or 93. Um, this is a resolution I think we can all keep, and this is a resolution for uh, Trinity Community Church that I know uh, Jeremy and I and the other leaders have been praying uh, that we would lean into uh, this year. Um, and so I, wanna, I want you to join with me. The good, good news before we get started about this resolution is that it's a resolution that doesn't require any willpower, doesn't require any discipline. That's the best kind of resolution, right? Uh, one that you don't have to work at. What it does require is that you admit that you don't have what it takes, that you don't know what to do, and you're going to fail more often than not. You don't have what it takes, you don't know what to do, and you're going to fail more often than not. Anybody get on board with a resolution like that? Yeah, that's, the, that's my kind of resolution, and here it is. Resolved in 2020, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Let me pray for us before we begin. Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you this morning um, in a swirl of 
emotions and um, a swirl of thoughts in our minds and calendar activities, people running here and there, and a season that is, is special for so many and, and also a, a cause for uh, pain and stress uh, for others. Um, it's, a, it's a season of cultural confusion. Our culture doesn't know what to do um, with this idea of a generous and loving father gifting the world his only son to save her from her sins. Uh, we don't know what to do with that. Um, as a culture, I pray that people um, in America today and all over the world uh, would have their eyes open uh, to the reality that Christmas speaks to, um, that we are sinful and we need a Savior. Uh, and the good news is that uh, even for bad people uh, like ourselves, You've sent your son, perfect, holy, righteous uh, for us, to live for us on our behalf. Pray that we would lean into that wisdom that is Jesus Christ this morning. Open our hearts to hear this word um, from the scriptures. Lord, help me to get out of the way, um, get off the stage, but leave behind uh, the taste of Christ um, for Trinity Community Church this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So, three steps to the simple resolution. Step one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Step two, lean not on your own understanding. And step three, acknowledge him or submit to him in all your ways. Let's look at the first step. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Um, the book of Proverbs, if, if you're familiar with it, uh, is unique in all the Bible for how it reads. Um, and many people treat it like a book of pithy fortune cookie sayings. I love fortune cookies. I buy Chinese just to get the fortune cookie. Um, I love fortune cookie sayings, and I love the book of Proverbs. There's a lot of one and two liner uh, in there. They'll just, I mean, they're laugh out loud funny if you can just make it your way through it. But it comes across like sound bites to many of us. We're not sure how to handle it. And so I want to just start by saying like the overarching goal of the book of Proverbs is about a father teaching his son how to walk in wisdom, how to live wisely. And one way of reading Proverbs is to look essentially at the first nine chapters of the Proverbs is this father setting up his son, really speaking to him, pointing out to him who he should trust. Because that's what a loving and wise father does. So in, in chapter one of Proverbs, you have a father who communicates to his son. He says this. He says, don't trust sinful men who victimize the innocent. So don't trust sinful, wicked men. And then in chapter two, the father instructs his son, don't trust men of perverted speech who rejoice in doing evil. Stay far away from them. So there's another segment of people you don't trust. And in chapter 9, he says to his son, don't trust the adulterous woman who elicits pleasures outside of marriage. That's another. But here in Proverbs, chapter 3, this godly father is pointing out to his son the person in whom he should place his trust. The faithful, all-powerful, loving Lord. Because that's what a wise and loving father would do. Because when, when you think about it, the most important decisions in your life all revolve around whom you choose to trust. Think about that. 
When I think about the biggest mistakes in my life and the things that have caused me the most pain and heartache, it's, when I think about the poor decisions that have led to disaster in my life, it usually involves me trusting someone I should not have trusted or the wrong group of people I should not have trusted. Maybe it's misplaced trust in a politician or a political party and they let you down. Maybe it's a friend or a spouse who let you down. Maybe it's a car salesman. It would certainly not be a realtor. Uh, If we had never, it would... If we had the time, I would tell you about the day I trusted downtown Tony Brown. Oh, Tony. Downtown Tony Brown sold me a car one time. Uh, First piece of advice, never return a voicemail from a car salesman who speaks of himself in the third person as downtown Tony Brown. (laughs) Jess and I were so young, so naive. It is an insane and ridiculous story. I could not tell it right now without wasting so much of your time. I will tell it to you later. uh, And if you want to hear the real unedited adult version, you ask Jess. Uh, She'll tell you about it. It's a hilarious story. It's incredible. We trusted downtown Tony Brown. We should not have trusted downtown Tony Brown. (laughs) Bottom line, who you trust in life determines the course of your life. Who you choose to trust determines the course of your life. And who we ultimately trust determines our eternal destiny. So we need to ask ourselves, what does it mean to trust in the Lord? If that's going to be our resolution for 2020, to trust him with all of our heart, what does it mean? To trust someone means to have confidence in their reliability, in their faithfulness. It means to have a firm belief in their good intentions. To trust means to feel safe and secure in their care. And what this passage is telling us is that's how we relate to God. To trust means when I come home and I pull into my driveway and I see Jackson walking out of my house, I, don't, I didn't know why he was there. I just see him come out the front door. I pulled in the driveway and he's walking out. I trust Jackson. He's my friend. I don't think he has bad intentions. His intentions for me are good. So when I see him walk out the door, I'm going, hey, Something good's about to happen, like surprise party for me, you know? If I pull into my driveway and someone's walking out of my front door who I don't recognize, the reaction is totally different, right? I'm going to be a little bit, a lot of bit suspicious. Who's this dude walking out of my house? Do I need to go in and make sure everybody's okay? Trust makes all the difference in the relationship. And the same is true with God. If you trust in the Lord, you're not asking yourself, do I need to be guarded against him? Can, can I, do I need to hide this from him? No, I trust him. He has the best of intentions for me. I don't need to be suspicious. I don't need to hold back. God wants us to have confidence in his reliability and his truthfulness. And when he speaks to us and he promises us something, he wants us to believe it. He wants us to trust him because he can deliver on his promises and he will. The Hebrew word here for trust had originally this idea of laying arms out face down on the ground. It's a picture of total surrender. It's a picture of helplessness. 
I love how one commentator put it. He said this. He said, to trust in the Lord with all your heart means to throw oneself down on one's face, to lie down spread eagle in complete reliance, to make it as graphic as I can, to do a belly flop on God with all our sin and all our failure and all our fears. We stake everything on the gospel promises of God. If God fails us, we are damned. If God comes through, we are saved forever. Real trust is that blunt and daring and simple, end quote. Isn't that an incredible thing to say? That's an incredible image. It's a provoking image, I think, because it's so counter to the way most of us live our daily lives. Most of us wouldn't even consider that to be wise. Yet here Proverbs is telling us this is what we're to do. If you've ever done any physical therapy, on your body or had someone do it to you. Anybody had physical therapy? Yeah, it's awful and super painful. But if you've ever done it, you know how hard it is to surrender control. I broke my femur when I was an eighth grader, when I was a kid, um, and it was a pretty bad injury. And I had to go through some tough physical therapy um, where I'd be lying face down on the ground, totally helpless. And the therapist would be working my leg back and forth, screws in my legs still. It was, it was bad. And my legs just, she's trying to bend it. I couldn't, I had scar tissue and my leg wouldn't bend. She's trying to break up the scar tissue. It wasn't fun. It was incredibly painful. And I remember sometimes she'd be working on me and she'd say, okay, Casey, just relax. Just relax your leg. Let me do all the work. And I'd say, okay. And I would try and relax. And it would go okay for like 40 seconds. And then a minute later, she goes, okay, you got you to gotta relax. You got to remember to relax. And it would last for about a minute. I'd grip my teeth. I'd relax for like a minute. And then I'd be back up tense again. Because surrendering control is hard. It's not natural to sinful people to surrender control. And the same applies to our relationship with God. We're so used to making things work that the idea of lying down in complete reliance on the Lord, bringing all our sins and failures and fears to him, terrifies us. It isn't easy, Proverbs says, but it's exactly what you need. It's not easy, but it's what I need. It's what we as a church need. There's an excellent little book um, right here called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. If you own this book, I encourage you to read it again. Uh, If you don't own this book, let me know. I want to get you a copy. It's an incredible book. Um, It would be a great one for you to read uh, this year in 2020. Uh, In it, he, it's a, yeah, it's called A Praying Life, Connecting with God in a Distracting World. Uh, In it, he talks about the importance of helplessness and this idea of trust as it relates Uh, to prayer. Let me just read what he says about it here. Little children are good at helplessness. It's what they do best. But as adults, we soon forget how important helplessness is. I, for one, am allergic to helplessness. I don't like it. I want a plan, an idea, or maybe a friend to listen to my problem. This is how I instinctively approach everything because I am confident in my own abilities. 
God wants us to come to him empty-handed, weary, and heavy laden. Instinctively, we want to get rid of our helplessness before we come to God. But the gospel, God's free gift of grace in Jesus, only works when we realize we don't have it all together. The same is true for prayer. The very thing we are allergic to, our helplessness, is what makes prayer work. It works because we are helpless. We can't do life on our own. Trusting in the Lord with all your heart means bringing your helplessness to Jesus. Let me say it again. Trusting the Lord with all your heart means bringing your helplessness to Jesus. So the greatest gift that you can receive today is helplessness. Utter helplessness. To realize you can't do life on your own. So let's do what this passage says. Let's do a belly flop on God. Let's come completely helpless before him today. Tell him how desperately we need him and begin today to trust in the Lord wholeheartedly. Trust in the Lord Jesus wholeheartedly with all your heart. It can't be halvesies. Not trust in the Lord half-heartedly. We went to some relative's house uh, last week for Christmas, and we were in a hotel, and they had a hotel pool, and I love swimming with kids. I love swimming with my kids. So I should, I should uh, <laughs> clarify. Uh, clarify. We'll edit that. I love swimming with my kids, especially when they're little, uh, because kids just fling themselves into the water. Um, I'll be sitting in the water, Daddy, catch me. I'm not even turned around, and oh, there they are. And they just come full force, face first, belly flop. I'm looking at that going, that would set me back a week if I just did that. And they just do it over and over and over again. Catch me, Daddy, no hesitation, thrust themselves into the arms of their father. There's nothing half-hearted about it. They believe that their father has the best intentions for them and can catch them and will catch them. That's wholehearted trust. That's the kind of trust that God deserves and demands. Let's not be timid people. Let's trust in the Lord with all our heart. Let's unload everything on him because he can handle it. He can take the full weight of your life and your mess. He can handle it. Trust in the Lord, Proverbs says, with all your heart. And this is to the second point. Do not lean on your own understanding. How do you know if you're trusting the Lord with all your heart? And I think it's helpful here. He gives us a negative. He says, here's what not to do. He's going to tell us later what to do, but what not to do first. Do not lean on your own understanding. We're all leaning on something all the time. And what this passage is communicating to us is, is to trust in the Lord with all your heart means you actively not trust in yourself not trust in your own intellect. Don't trust in your own ability to fully perceive any given situation. It says to not lean on your own understanding. Now, the leaning that's described here is not just a sort of shifting your weight, like lean, shoulder lean or whatever. It's describing the kind of leaning where you're leaning all your weight on something. I do not, I do not trust this music stand. Uh, to have my, all my weight leaned on it. Um, Jackson, would you come up here? 
You know it? Sturdy young man. All right, I'm going to lean on you because this is a demonstration. Uh, when pastor's not here, stuff like this happens. So this is, in case you didn't know, this is National Associate Pastor Preaching Sunday. So, all right, ready? I'm going to lean on you all my weight. If Jackson were to disappear right now, what would happen to me? I would face plant. Thank you, brother. I, 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 give him a, I appreciate that round of applause. I still don't think you guys understand. So we're going to take it a step further. If you would indulge me and stand up. Stand up. I'm sorry to do this. I hate when speakers do this kind of thing. Um, but I don't really. Um, if you would just indulge me. Um, because I'm not sure you're really getting the concept of leaning. And we've got kids, so we want to teach them to go ahead and lean on something. Lean on a chair next to you. Lean on a person next to you. I want you to, but I want you to lean in such a way that if that person were gone, you would fall. Be careful. Be safe, children. Um, right? Yeah, you guys are doing it. I appreciate that. Many of you are just... There's a few of you who are just completely ignoring me, and I just, I really appreciate that. Are you leaning in such a way that if that person were gone, you would fall? If that chair would, okay, some of you are, that's good. All right, you can sit down, don't fall. Thank you for doing that. I love the fact that so many of you, um, I could almost read your mind. You weren't making eye contact with me, but I could read your mind. Uh, you were like, okay, I'm going to stand but I'm not going to do this silly exercise, preacher man. Um, okay, and so your leaning was kind of half-hearted, just kind of like, yeah, eye roll emoji. You're texting your friends. Can't believe this is happening. Jeremy's going to hear about this. But for the sake of illustration, isn't that what we often do with the Lord? At times, our, our leaning is really just a sort of standing next to the Lord. He says, trust me with all your heart. And you go, I trust the Lord with all my heart. And he says, lean not on your own understanding. And then you kind of just do this. And you, and you lean like some of you were. And it seems like a silly exercise. And the Lord's going, no, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't stand on your own two strong feet and just place your hand on me. Lean into me. Lean on my understanding. Don't, don't hedge your bet. Don't have a backup plan per se. The Lord will not fail you. You can lean into him. I think many of us, we want to trust the Lord. We want to lean on him. But we don't want to feel off balance. We don't want to feel uncomfortable. We don't want, to, we don't want things to feel unsafe. And yet to trust the Lord with all your heart Kids get this. Kids get this. We teach them week after week after week all the stories that, that you've heard from Scripture about the heroes of the faith, the men and women who trusted the Lord with all their heart that if, if God didn't show up, they were toast. Right? Abraham, Noah, David, all of the heroes of the Old Testament, you read their stories, they trusted the Lord with all their heart that if he didn't come through, they were toast and you read the internal struggles through the scriptures, those men and women felt off balance. It felt uncomfortable. It was unsafe. But they didn't lean on their own understanding. To ask yourself, 
Am I leaning on my own understanding? Am I preferring safety and comfortability and balance? And so many things that the world values, but that the Lord says, trust me with all your heart. I'm gonna give you a few questions here. These are personal questions. Take them this week. These are questions you can ask yourself to diagnose whether or not uh, you're leaning on your own understanding or you're trusting the Lord with all your heart. Question number one, when was the last time I took a risk to obey Christ? When was the last time I took a risk to obey Christ? Second question, when was the last time I diminished my future socially, financially, professionally for Jesus' sake? When was the last time I diminished my future socially, financially, or professionally for Jesus' sake? And the last question, when was the last time my life looked obviously different from the life of someone who doesn't trust Jesus at all? When was the last time my life looked obviously different from the life of someone who doesn't trust Jesus at all? You may not be able to answer those questions for yourself. That's why we have a community around us. Ask someone you trust to answer those questions on your behalf. Wholehearted trust in Jesus that is not leaning on your own understanding looks desperate. And what do desperate people do? They pray. Desperate people are constantly praying because if the Lord doesn't come through, they're falling flat on their face. Let's be a people in 2020 who are praying desperately for the Lord to show up because we recognize our helplessness and that our limited perspective cannot get us to where God would have us go. So trust in the Lord wholeheartedly. Lean not on your own understanding. Third, in all your ways, submit to God. What does that mean? In all your ways, acknowledge him, some of the older translations used to say. It means leave nothing out. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, submit to him. If you're in the military and your commanding officer in, comes in, you have to acknowledge his presence, right? You salute him. You sit up straighter. You, you acknowledge the presence of your master. Same with your boss at work. If you're, if you're joking around with your buddies and your boss walks in, you know, you acknowledge him. You submit to his or th- her authority. If you don't do that, I would recommend you do that in 2020. That's good life advice for 20 and 30-somethings. Acknowledge your boss. Acknowledge the Lord. Submit to the Lord in all your ways. God isn't asking you to trust him with part of it. He wants all. He wants it all. He wants everything that shames you, everything that makes you afraid. Everything you're struggling with, he wants all of it. He wants your work, your worries, your relationships, your doubts, your fears. He says, hold nothing back. The very things you're tempted to hold back are the very things that you need to surrender to him today. In all your ways, submit to him. Why? Because you can trust him. You can trust the Lord Jesus, amen? He's the friend of sinners, right? He's the friend of sinners. He's the great physician, right? He is. He is the wonderful counselor, the good shepherd. He is Emmanuel, right? Christmas. He is God with us. He hasn't left you. 
He's with you. Do not lean on your own understanding. Lean into Christ. Bring your helplessness to Him. And He's urging you to come to Him. If you are weary, lean on Him. His arms are not too short to save. In all your ways, submit to Christ. Begin every day with an attitude of complete helplessness before God. Can we decide right now that we can't make it even one day into the new year if Jesus doesn't do something in our lives? If Jesus isn't Lord and showing up and being Savior in our lives in every area of life, can we just admit that our lives would not be what we want them to be? That they would certainly not be what God wants them to be. And after we admit that, let's put our faith like a child. Isn't it incredible that Jesus says, you can't come into my kingdom unless you become like a child. What's that mean? I mean, a child has faith in his father. Jesus says, you have faith in your father, your heavenly father, wholehearted trust. I need to do this. You need to do this. Let's commit. Let's resolve to do this together in 2020 because here's what's promised if we do proverbs 3 6 says he will make your paths straight when we trust in the lord he charts us on a course a course that avoids sin and it avoids uh, the sorrow that comes with sin our own sin but it's a path that leads us to everlasting life the straight path of proverbs that god leads us in is the same narrow way that Jesus calls us to walk. The way of faith in Christ is Lord. And so you can sum up Proverbs 3 by saying this. Trust in the Lord Jesus with everything you've got, and he'll handle the rest. Trust in the Lord Jesus wholeheartedly. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will handle the rest. Does that mean you're going to be rich and, and immediately wise and everything's going to go good for you? Of course not. What it means is he will make your paths straight like a shepherd makes the path straight for the sheep. The shepherd will not leave the sheep. The shepherd will care for the sheep. The sheep trust the shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. He will never leave nor forsake you. Amen? Amen. On a warm, sunny day, 1882, Louisa Steed, her husband and her daughter, Lily, decided to go on a picnic in Long Island. It's a true story. And as they were enjoying one another's company, they heard a scream off in the distance. Uh, just one of those screams that you can imagine just chills coming up your spine. They heard a scream in the distance. It was from a young boy. And uh, courageous as he was, Mr. Steed uh, jumped up and he raced off to the rescue. And he noticed a boy uh, off in the water, struggling, drowning. Um, and so he jumped in the water uh, to save the boy. No hesitation, wholehearted, just boom, into the water um, to save the boy. And Louisa and her young daughter that she had to carry uh, eventually caught up to the scene only to watch helplessly from the shore as Mr. Steed struggled to bring the boy to the shore. And the boy was kicking, he's panicking how you do when, when you're drowning. And tragically, both Mr. Steed and the boy fell beneath the water and both of them drowned. And uh, there she is, Louisa, right there on the bank, holding daughter in hand. 
now without a husband, widowed immediately, and uh, Lily now without a father immediately. Tragic. And it wasn't too long after this incident, um, not long at all actually, that Louisa wrote these words in her journal, and we have them. 1882, she said this, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, and to know, thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace, to trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood and in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease, just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. I'm so glad I learned to trust thee, precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that thou art with me, wilt be with me to the end. Isn't Jesus trustworthy? He is. Jesus is trustworthy. He laid his life down so that we could be rescued from God's wrath and judgment. So someone like Louisa Steed could watch something so horrific happen in her life and realize that wholehearted trust in the Savior, even in the midst of tragedy, means that God will be present with her, will walk her through those sorrows because she knows that Jesus bore the sorrows on her behalf. He knows our weaknesses. He's gone ahead. He suffered in our place. So you can trust him. Every promise that he's made has proved true. And no promise that he's made will ever be broken. Trust him with all your heart. Sound good for 2020? That's a good resolution. Amen? Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. Let's do that together. Let's pray.